to the Waking Up From Work podcast. My name is Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to episode 150 of the show today. This is where we get to work, making work a passion, living creative full-time. If you're new to this show, this is where we interview artists, entrepreneurs, creatives, people seeking out alternative lives, doing the things that they want to do instead of sometimes the things that we're told to do. So on today's show, we have a really cool night in general because we have two guests on and tonight is really music focused, but really you're going to hear in this episode and in in the other one for very different reasons, much broader than that, which is the way that we like to have this because I know that we've got a big mix of creatives and entrepreneurs out there. Today, I would like to welcome on Christina Latino from the New England area. She's hanging down in Cambridge. So representing here where where we're starting out here in New England. Christina is the founder of Cornerscape, which is a independent artist management group also is the president of the women in music chapter in Boston, which is a international nonprofit group leading to educate, empower and advance women in the music industry overall. Also on the board of directors of a nonprofit music venue called Passim. Is that, is that pronunciation right? Passim. Oh man, you're, that one's complicated. You're nailing all the other pronunciations. Oh, though, so. I had to lose somewhere. That's what <laughs> it's about, right? You have to be okay with the losses too. Exactly. Basim. All right, my bad. <laughs> also, I don't know, we'll, we'll get into this. I don't know if you're currently or not by the verbiage, but was on the task force for the Cambridge arts, basically to to work on arts in Cambridge specifically. Yeah, that wrapped up a while ago, but it was a, a really fantastic year. Came out of a lot of grassroots advocacy from artists in Cambridge looking for more city support. And our vice mm. mayor, Alana Mallon, led a group of us, a task force for a year to kind of identify ways that the city could better support our living, working artists. And it was just, it was an honor to be a part of it. So the so report important. and some of the stuff that came out of it is you know, Googleable. So I encourage folks, especially if you live in Cambridge, Mass, to check it out. Awesome. Yeah. Very important work. Very important work that you're doing with WIM and I'm sure from your own organization as well. And so we've got just a big group of things to pick from tonight that I'm really excited to dive into. So I'm happy that you've been able to join me tonight, Christina. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, really excited to be getting to know your podcast and excited to dive in. Heck yeah. So for people out there, Christina, that may not be familiar with the organization, with your specific business and some of these other things, do you just want to walk through who is Christina Latino? How did you find your way to creating your business and getting into these positions and these organizations for what you're so passionate about? Like, How did we get here for people who are, are new to your world? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think first and foremost, I've always just been a big music fan. And I feel like sometimes people in the industry encourage you not to, you know, present yourself as a fan first. But ultimately, I think that's why most of us get into it is we really love music. So you're a fan that doesn't want to ever leave. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. 
I knew I always wanted to work in music. I didn't know exactly how. So it took me a while to find my way to artist management, which is what I do now and what I've done for like the last five years and you know where I, I plan to remain. But I started actually working for the organization that I'm now on the board of directors for, Passim, as a sound engineer in their venue. So Sick. they operate a small listening room venue in Cambridge, Mass. That is just... I mean, it, it's historically legendary. It was a really legendary folk club. Bob Dylan, Joan Baez, and other greats kind of got their start there and came through that room early on. But it has morphed into this organization that really cultivates new talent and helps artists at all stages of their careers, presents them and helps them kind of launch onto to their next steps. And it's a really inspiring place to be, a magical place to hear music. And I started there as a sound engineer and as their operations manager for a number of years. And Very cool. Yeah, it was a wonderful time. And the reason I, I bring it up now is because it really introduced me to a lot of working artists who were coming through and who were playing that venue, you know, once or twice a year and getting to know those folks after I moved on from that job, I was able to kind of keep working with some of them in freelance positions. I was doing some freelance live music event production, working with a band called Session Americana. We put on some like pop-up music it was almost like a pub crawl meets secret concert pop-up series. That sounds up my alley. Yeah, it was great. Super DIY, super heart-led, just really fun. Yeah, it was, it was a great time for me. I was getting to work with a lot of different artists and just kind of figure out what I liked and what I wanted. And I kind of gradually figured out over time that what I really loved doing is working with artists to grow their careers. and. I feel like what artist management offers is really the chance to work with artists who you feel very passionately about over multiple years. So you can really grow with them and see the ways that, you know, you're able to kind of listen to their dreams and their goals, help them get more serious about how they think about those goals and hopefully help them get there and exceed those goals faster than they might've been able to do on their own. So it's a super rewarding work. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's really, I'm sure, an interesting perspective built for you from being behind the glass, if you will. I know live sound, you're not technically behind the glass, but it's such a world when you are working in the studio or live sound or a lot of different roles in the music industry where your your position is to be in black and to have someone in the light and support them. So it's like you're starting in this very personal, very connected way of running the shows for people at a club with a lot of history and then getting to know these artists on such a personal level from the outside, not knowing, obviously you exploring all of the industry of where do I want to end up? It makes so much sense that you would then take these relations, you relationships you've been cultivating and you're experiencing just having a full pulse in the industry like that so frequently, and then moving it further to develop artists in, a, in another way past that, basically taking the relationships that you had one-to-one and then just using that to move that relationship forward in, in different ways, it feels from the outside. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say like, it's funny looking back, I think the biggest difference now, or one of the biggest differences is like with, with events and with running sound, it's really instant gratification in a lot of ways. It's like you invite someone into this venue, you load them in, you get the stage set up, you have a, a hand in making their night go well. And then, you know, you pay them money and everyone's happy and you go home and go to bed and on to the next show. 
So there's like a lot of instant satisfaction that comes from that work. And with artist management, you've really like I've really had to adjust to more like delayed gratification, I suppose, where the projects you're working on take sometimes years, like almost always months and sometimes years to really develop and come to fruition. But I honestly, I I really prefer it. I felt like once I found management and I should give a shout out to one of the artists I manage, Mark Arelli was the artist who really encouraged me to give management a shot. And I think Hmm. I wouldn't have done it without that encouragement to, to try being his manager. And He's just an extraordinary artist and has had already such an extraordinary career. I feel very lucky to, you know, be a, a partner in building, you know, his his next stage. But yeah, it it's really now the kind of work where you you are sowing seeds that you hope will grow and turn into something really great down the line. And it's much more rewarding than when you get to see, you know, the the friendships you've built and the relationships you've built turn into really interesting collaborations that help introduce mm. your artists to whole new audiences years down the line. It's a very special community to be a part of. Right. You literally went from like singular day gratification to three months to a year to multiple year gratification, yes. but probably like, no, I wouldn't say a shallow to demean any work in the one day event because it's, it means so much to all of the fans and artists, but in a way like a, a much deeper gratification maybe from the artist work where you have you have planted the seeds you've watered them you've come out in the seasons that are bad and then <laughs> having them come out to be something that grows nicely just feels absolutely incredible i'm sure yeah yeah it's i mean i think they're just different i loved being a sound engineer for the time that i was doing that and have so much gratitude and respect for those who are doing that work well cuz it is like hard. if you're an artist it's so hard and if hard you're showing work. up to play like you need it to sound good or what's even the point of touring. So yeah. the people yeah. who do it well and to, who take care of artists and like, it, it's, it's really its own form of magic. And I feel like just having that background of having done it for a short time, when I'm at a show now that has really great sound, it, I'm just like, I'm looking for that person in the room just to be like, I see you. High five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 I know it does. I, I worked at the Hampton Beach Casino Ballroom doing live sound for three years. No. Yeah. Do you know people that way? No. I Well, I mean, I grew up in Worcester, Mass. So going to the Hampton Beach Casino Ballroom for a show yeah. in high school was like the peak of cool. Oh, cool. I didn't feel like the peak of cool, but it, <laughs> it was fun. And I worked there for three years doing live sound. And before or during that same time, I was doing live sound at my school up at Plymouth State. and. I learned through that time that I was a studio person. That was my learning. I didn't, I did have fun doing it. It was an amazing experience. And it also like between doing that, doing studio work, and then I interned at a record label, I felt like those experiences gave me a big understanding of multiple different ways that someone experiences their day as a musician. So I value all of it, but I definitely also have huge respect for people in the live sound because I mean, not every venue is the same, but it's like I was working 18 hour days. I was, you know, the pressure is massive to be that person on a console and then everything dies. If there's 2000 people in front of you is just a next level pressure that like I have never felt before until you have people turn around. They know where the, they know where the (laughs) booth's at. Everyone is going to look at you. If there's, even when it's the artist's fault, Everyone looks at you 
because you have to solve the problem. So it's mad respect for that industry and everyone, everyone working to do that. And just like you said, there's so many venues that the sound is such a challenge at that when you also have that perfect sound, despite all of that pressure and all the things going down on them where something blows up and the artist twists an ankle or like everything happens and you just have to show must go on is like a real thing. It's pretty magical to see that come out in, in full, you know, what was it that kind of made you, was it kind of that pressure that made you feel like the studio was where you wanted to be instead? Or what was it that kind of put you that in that direction? I didn't like the pressure, but I felt more creative in studio than I did in live. Cause in live, it felt like I was like, you still have it in the studio where you're analytical, where you're, where you're tech problem solving. Like every session you can have redundancy all day. You're just going to have something go wrong when you need to not. So I'm used to that. I had, I felt like I have more time in studio to, to get past that and then be creative. Whereas live sound, I was just constantly, all I did was the problem solving analytical. And that's not where my specialty is. I'm, I'm supposed to be a little bit more chill. <laughs> and then have time to like really play with stuff. And I felt like what I was doing wasn't play. It was like tactical. It was yeah. so like something goes out. I got to jump in front of something and swap something out and whatever. And it was super adrenaline, but it just wasn't, it wasn't who I, it didn't work with who I am, but it, yeah. but it, it was an experience and I could see why people also fall in love with it as well. Yeah, that resonates so much for me. I feel like ultimately that's kind of, you kind of just put your finger on why I love artist management is when you're working with an artist over a period of many years, you do get the chance to really be creative in a way that is, it's just really fun. I mean, like my favorite part of the job, one of, I don't know, I'll probably say this like five times. I really like the work, but <laughs> my other favorite part. Yeah, one of favorite my favorite part. parts. <laughs> like it's a very special feeling when one of your artists texts you a voice memo of a song they're working on and is just like, Hey, I wrote this today. What do you think? And then in six months, it's time to think about the next album and you get to be a part of discuss like discussing, you know, which of the 12 or which of the 20 voice memos you've been sent are songs that should be on that album. And then, mm. you know, being able to like help be a, an A&R voice and a strategic voice in that album creation process while kind of simultaneously working on the more strategic business initiatives and, and, you know, touring and merch development and just, you know, chasing those goals. It's really, it's a very creative work. And I, I, that's, yeah, it's just really fun. It's like you have a band yourself, only you have like a ridiculous amount of them and you're doing all the things for all of them. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to go that far. I'm very lucky to <laughs> be working with artists who have really great teams. So it's, if anything, I think, you know, it's a lot of, coordination between there, you know, everyone has good ideas. And I, I feel like that's what I try and encourage is the idea that every idea should come to the table. And mm. I'm a very collaborative person. I will say like the one thing I miss from before becoming an artist manager is like having more traditional coworkers. I definitely hope that, you know, in the next few years, I'm able to bring some people onto my team full time and really expand kind of back into having more coworkers like I did in, in previous jobs. But yeah. I'm I love that my artists have such great teams of creative people and we all get to, you know, collaborate and brainstorm together and, and rely on each other. So So I guess because I totally just this is exactly what I do where I see the shiny object of like the thing I'm like really interested in and I just attack at it. <laughs> but I want to just take a step backwards because we we haven't had a artist management 
company on the podcast so far. And also we have such an array of creatives that are not musicians that I just zoomed right past that. Can you just explain to the audience, first of all, what is a artist management company? What does the day-to-day look like? And then I guess even a step before that, or whatever order you choose, how did Cornerscape come into play in general? I know that we talked about kind of like how these ideas form together, but what was like the big bang that created that business of yours? Yeah, so much to talk about there. So (laughs) taking first kind of what is artist management, that question, or, or what does an artist management company do? The music industry can be somewhat opaque, I think, to the average listener and fan about the ways that it works. I think even to us inside it, it can be opaque. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yes. (laughs) Many times you ask someone what they do and you can be a producer that does one thing or a producer that does other thing, but you're still a producer. You can be, I'm sure, an artist management. I'm sure that uh, there is no like, this is the exact thing because Mm -hmm. everyone kind of has their own flair and I feel like it varies way bigger delta than like a normal job in in this industry. I've never seen something so diverse in the exact same titles. Yes. And (laughs) people do so many things like very few people wear just one hat. So that's like another complicating factor. But yeah, if you so honestly, I feel like the easiest way to describe an artist manager sometimes is like what an artist manager doesn't do. So (laughs) You know, if if you if your band or if there's a band that has a pretty thriving career, they're going to have a pretty large team of people supporting their work and their music. They're going to have a booking agent who is responsible for booking tours, routing tour dates, negotiating their booking contracts. That's that's kind of what the booking agent does. They might have a publicist who is in charge of promoting that band and that music in print and digital media. They might have a radio promoter who is working their music on radio stations that are appropriate to that style of music. They might have a label and a distributor who are, you know, pushing, taking those sound files, the distributor taking the sound files, getting them out on streaming services and out for sale. Labels that might be advocating for that music with the major streaming services, doing a lot of creative direction and, and, and promotion and overseeing that. They might have a lawyer. I mean, the list goes on and on, but they'll sure. also have an artist manager. So the manager's job is to really work with that artist over many years, hopefully, to help grow their careers, take advantage of creative opportunities. In the day-to-day, often that looks like coordinating a lot of those other roles. So if you're in the midst of an album release campaign, let's say, a lot of my day-to-day when one of my artists is, you know, leading up to a new album release is making sure that the publicist, radio promoter, label, distributor, booking agent, that we're all on the same page, that when one of us has a success, if there's a great feature in NPR about the album, that that publicist success is talked about by the label when they go to their weekly pitch meetings with Apple Music. So a lot of it is really kind of coordinating the various team members to be working in sync. And then there's also kind of the networking and relationship building element. So I, you know, have am building friendships and relationships with other artist managers all the time and we 
talk to each other. You know, if, if one of my colleagues is managing an artist that has a larger audience than one of my artists, but whose sound is compatible, I might be keeping that manager up to date on what my artist is doing and advocating for them to be, you know, added as a opener on the next leg of their artist's tour and vice versa. So it's really, honestly, like the job is really holistic. It ranges from, you know, tour advancing to overseeing ads to special projects to networking. It's really kind of, it's both reactive and proactive and it's really wide ranging, which can make it really hard to describe. And I think that's a big part of why I wasn't even really aware of it as an option for me when I was trying to look for a place in the industry. Cause it's like, well, what the heck is it? Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of a winding answer. Was that, did that make sense? No, it was a good answer. And I think like, if you were to like really try to like, if you were to really try to make it very simple, which is an oversimplification, but it's like in the title of it is artist manager, the things that you're describing me are very similar to manager roles I might have fulfilled in completely normal. I say normal jobs, but I know that yours is a normal job to you, but you know what I mean, (laughs) right? It's being accountable for the whole of the business, which means that it is an adapting thing. It's like, you know, if it's a warehouse manager, an operations manager or whatever, all business manager, all these different types of managers, there's things that change on the daily of, of things that you're being proactive about. Maybe, you know, I don't know what your, these other roles are out there, but it's like getting, getting inventory moved around. You know what I mean? It's just these, these function, these function things that sometimes it's about a fire drill of like, let's get this thing done. Cause it needs to be happening right now. Sometimes it's proactive on something that needs to, to happen in the future. And then sometimes it's just being the glue behind the different things so that they don't turn out of cycle like that. But I think that you did a great yeah. job of explaining the different connections and, and discussions that you're probably having on the daily. And then just from a very simplified view, it, it makes sense that it's artist management because you're managing all of the parties, being the glue between everything that is out there to push forward the musician. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're so right. Like, I feel like sometimes when people ask, I'm like, oh, it's going to take me 20 minutes to explain this. But you're right. Like, you can really simplify it. You are managing your artist's business. And I think to that point, like I didn't even talk about this, but at the end of the day, like your job is to help your artists make more money too. Like that is a big part of it. You know, artists can't be full-time artists and they can't have, you know, they can't devote their careers to their art unless they're able to live on it. So in today's music industry, especially where, you know, it's harder and harder to make a living as an artist, it's really important to always be thinking about like, okay, well, what are the decisions we can make that are going to diversify income streams enough or, you know, increase income enough that these artists can continue to be full-time creatives. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And that's such a pivotal aspect for this show in general is just that, you know, people who have listened to now 150 episodes of me, first of all, if you've done that, God bless you because <laughs> I am a, a potent person. If you've heard me for any amount of time, I will talk really bluntly or business-like about this, but people are like, well, you're creative and, and, I, and I'm a very different person when I'm in those different spaces. But the reason why I'm so forward and so on it like that is for that very principle that you noted where it's like, if the tree falls in the forest, doesn't make a sound. It's like, I want everyone to be creative in their own way, but I also want people to be creative sustainably 
in a way that they, they won. I want everyone to win all the way. I don't want people to just win once. And that is finding how can this thing that I'm doing as a creative keep happening and keep happening literally for my life and not just this little boom period in a certain period of my life. And that is the thought process that as creatives many times, and I'm sure a great draw to having an artist management is we don't want to think about that stuff when we're in the creative space because it's such a, a different vibe, you know, and it, and it disrupts the creative. So I think that so many people are hesitant and on the show throughout it, we have talked about this balance between like business, 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 so you can sustain this and be creative forever. But also here's all these other things that we need to break down as a creative. And it's, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's important and, and a great way to think about it. And I'm sure that your artists respect the heck out of that viewpoint of, of keeping an eye out on making it so that they are doing their craft for good. And also in the moments, I'm sure that there are many things that you're taking off their plate that are allowing them to thrive because as an independent artist myself, I know I just did a TikTok video on it the other day of like all the things that we have to do. Oh my God. You yeah. And all the other, you know, t- of their teams on these bigger artists are doing that for and with the artists. But initially I'm sure that they're starting out doing everything and it's just, it's a lot. Yeah. It's and it is a lot. <laughs> it's an endless list. I mean, at the end of the day, like if your goal is just to promote and grow your creative career, like you could literally never stop. There's, there's just an endless list of things to do. And I was laughing when you were saying like, well, I'm sure they appreciate you taking things off their plate. Cause it honestly, like it doesn't always feel that way to me. I feel like sometimes you're putting them on it. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes artists bring on a manager and they think, Oh great. Like I never have to do this anymore because they'll just do it. But that's not why you bring on a manager. You bring on a manager for growth so that you can, you know, you you're doubling the amount of effort or work time being put into your creative business. But like, that means when I have ideas, like I'm coming to the artist and I'm like, Hey, I think we need to like, Today, I was like, I talking to one of my artists. I was like, I think we need to go back to this place that you shot the cover photo for your new album. <laughs> I think we need to do like a live video that, like, that's just more work that I'm just, you know, putting on on them in a way. And yes, I'm I'm there to like help make it happen and I'll yeah. do that work with them. But but I guess are you yeah. facilitating the connection? Say that exact idea where you're like, we should go back and do a live video at this place that you did that. Are you helping them facilitate? the communication lines that need to happen to arrange that? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So me as an artist, I just think that that's like a different thought process where like, for instance, I am a, I am a recording engineer and recently I stopped recording my own records because I wasn't in the right mindset. Like I'm just not thinking about it right. And that made it so that normally when I'm recording my own stuff, I'm kind of like stressed when I'm doing it because I wake up and I'm just thinking about all the stuff that has to happen technically to make that happen. Whereas recently just did a record where I had someone else record it and I woke up that day and I knew it was happening that day. You know, it was on my schedule and that's a thing that I have to go do. But when I woke up that day, I woke up and went for like a walk. I like listened to like music and voice memos and things to like kind of gather my thoughts in one spot. And then I showed up and I didn't have to do anything else like that. And that put me in the right spot where like the schedule didn't change. The day was booked. Things were going to happen all day. The hours were, were clocked, but it's like, it was a different feeling for me. And I think that it led to being able to get better work because I wasn't coming from that angle. So I feel like Mm -hmm. you probably do keep their plate full 
And it would definitely be the wrong expectation. I bet you so many have the expectation. They're like, great. Now I'm not going to have to do as much things. It's like, no, your like schedule is going to be the same. <laughs> if you want to be an independent artist, you chose that life, my friend. And that's definitely happening, but yeah. it's going to feel different. You're probably going to feel way better and you're probably going to have bigger results because of it while yeah. feeling better. And I can, yeah. I, I would be into that as an artist. I totally, yeah. I mean, I definitely think that's the goal. Like I'm a big believer in kind of like values driven artist management and making sure that the artist feels like they're in the driver's seat. Like I've got ideas for days. But at the end of the day, like artists aren't just artists, they're people (laughs) who are giving a lot of themselves to the public. Yeah. And that's something I always try and keep in mind is like every decision we make. And I I feel like I learned this lesson through making some mistakes and like driving, not driving people to burn out, but you know, like encouraging artists to say yes to every good opportunity or every Mm. opportunity when like, actually you have to be a little bit more strategic. You have to be a little bit more careful about the things that you really encourage your artists to do. Cause they own, you know, there's only a limited number of hours in the day and we can't, I actually, I just put some, I've got like my wall of work stuff behind me. Okay. It's all meaningful, like artwork from, from my career, but there's this postcard on it that says you can't work all the time. And it's like bright pink and it has this like dancing skeleton on it. And I just added it like a couple of weeks ago because I found it in my purse, ironically, from a bar I went to for a work meeting in Nashville earlier this year. And yeah, it's just something I try and remind myself every now and then is like, you can't, I can't work all the time and my artists can't work all the time. If people don't take a breather every now and then, like you will burn out. And 100% and whatever it a, is. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that was like a real tangent, but. No, that was a good tangent. (laughs) That was a, that was a tangent that I feel like achieved what we're trying to get. So good tangent. We're, we're a tangent driven show here, Christina. (laughs) Well, that's, that is a relief. I guess because I want to, I feel like that was a very good explanation of kind of like, what does this look like? And I know that we have a lot of other things that I want to hit, but real quick, what was that big bang theory, big bang theory? (laughs) The moment the moment that cornerscape came up, you know, yeah. I know you were searching for that. These things are kind of like grooming to, to be that perfect thing for you. What was the day you're like, this is what I'm doing. And like, what would you say to people who might've also been unaware of what that was essentially? How did you know that like that was happening and how did you get started in that space? Yeah. That's, initially, you know, so initially I worked, I, I had a job, I was doing arts project management for Harvard university. Actually, it was like, cool. A, yeah, it, it was cool. It was, um, a different, it's the only job I've had that wasn't really a music job. It was an arts job, but it wasn't a music job. And mm. I really missed working in music. Like as soon as I got there, I was like, Oh, I feel really far from music right now. So I started freelancing on the side with the artists I had met at my previous job at Club Passim. And I think I had mentioned earlier, like the creative kind of pop-up events we were doing. So I was doing a lot of freelance event production work. And as that kind of built up, I got to the point where I had a specific gig offer come in. In order for me to take it, I would have had to leave the job I was working at Harvard. And that was kind of the moment where I was like, okay, well... I have enough saved up that I can like give myself a few months cushion while I try and get this off the ground. And I can either keep freelancing on the side and doing what I love on the side, or I can try and make this work. And at the time, so I, that's when I kind of made the jump and started Cornerscape. But at the time, I really envisioned it more as a like creative event production company. Mm. But 
I think like a lot of people who have started creative endeavors will hopefully, you know, remember, understand like in those first few months, I was kind of taking whatever work seemed interesting and whatever would pay me something. So I got an offer to work with an artist on a crowdfunding campaign to raise money for a new album he was producing and really loved working with him. And we got along really well. And after that project ended, we decided to work on another project together for his career. And he was the first artist I started managing, still manage him today. His name's Mark Arelli. And he was the one who I went to a, a music conference to try and rep him and do some work for him. And I got there and no one would talk to me because I, I wasn't saying that I was his manager. And I feel like everyone was so confused. I was like, no, I'm not his manager. I just like do some work for him sometimes. <laughs> and I, I got back, I got home and I was like, God, that was such a mistake. All right, let's just give this a shot. Like I'll, I'll be your manager. I don't even know what that is, but yeah. like, let's do it. And started working with Mark, managing Mark. And it really just ballooned from there. I really, really enjoyed it. It's, it was such a treat to get to learn how to be a manager working for Marcarelli because he, like I said, like he's, you know, he's 20 years into a really interesting career. He is a singer and a songwriter and a producer and a sideman guitarist. So he plays guitar often in, in the band for Grammy winner, Lori McKenna and cool. Josh Ritter. He produces great albums. And then he also has this really vibrant kind of Americana rock music of his own that he writes and releases and tours. And you know, one of the first projects I got to do with him as his manager was releasing a song called By Degrees, which is a song about gun violence and the impact that it has on us individually and collectively. And we partnered up with Gabby Gifford's organization, Courage to Fight Gun Violence, um, to release it charitably. And like just a bunch of great folks who knew Mark or who loved the song came on to sing verses. So we had Cheryl Crow sing a verse. We had Roseanne Cash sing a verse. Cool. Anais Mitchell, who wrote the Hades Town musical, Josh Ritter, Lori McKenna. And, you know, so it was just like a dream way to get to learn. There was just, you know, I could learn so much from him. And then I just, you know, I found I really liked the work and I started kind of keeping my eye and ear out for other artists whose careers I thought were inspiring to me or who I could help and whose music I really believed in. So kind of over the years, I was doing fewer and fewer events and more and more artist management and Mm. then got to the point where I'm just doing artist management now. And and that's, you know, that's been the case for a while now, but yeah, it was kind of a gradual development. That's so cool. It was like, once again, the universe was pushing this to happen for you because it was literally like the universe came to you with like the red or blue pill. It was like, you have a choice. (laughs) You get to take this gig, but you got to leave this thing. Yep. If you take the gig, it's going to be weird, but you got to figure it out. But you, but it sounds really cool. Or you can stay here and then you take that. And then it's like, well, now I'm here. You know what I mean? Now I'm going to figure out what's going on, but I'm here and I'm, I've got to do something. And then it's turned into this, which obviously takes your drive and ambitions and effort, but it's really interesting. That's why I like coming into an episode where I know we're already halfway through here, but to understand the way that things go down. And I think also for building confidence in other creatives, I like to show people how things happen too, because Mm. we are in control in terms of what we're going after and what we're driving at. But also like there is stuff that happens when you're putting your yourself in a position for it to happen that does guide you a lot too, to where you're going oftentimes, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is like, 
Yeah. And it's really, you do just have to explore, like you have to figure out what is the right role for you. And I, I feel like that's something I often reflect on when, well, like when I found artist management and I mean, I think for the first year I was like, you know, flat, like, I don't want to say floundering, but I was definitely just kind of figuring out even what I was supposed to be doing. Like it yeah. takes a while to really yeah. get your feet under you. But you know, as I built my experience in management and, and built my confidence in it, it really felt like coming home in a way. Like it felt so great to, to look around and be like, Oh yeah, this is the role that feels like the fit for me in this industry. Cause there are just so many ways to be involved in the music industry and, and to work in music. So to find the, the role that feels right for you, it's, it takes some. It does. Tests. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, that, I told you earlier, those different pieces that I was in and it, and I didn't know what that, I, I knew at that time I, I, when I was, I was recording people at like 16, 17, 18 in my parents' basement. I hmm. knew then that I wanted to do audio and I thought it would be studio right then, but I, I didn't want to pigeonhole that if I didn't actually taste test, like what is what's real life like this look like before I say this is what's happening before I experience it. And it did take four to six years of just doing tons of different things and being like, I hate this thing. Yeah. I love this thing. <laughs> this thing's okay, but this thing is something that I don't like. And I feel like that's going to happen every day or whatever. And you kind of have to just see like, where does my personality, my background and my skill set make sense? And, and it, it's hard to do without that perspective. Definitely. And it's also just like, it's so humbling because even I feel like every year I kind of look back and I go like, oh man, I know so much more now than I did a year ago. And I feel like that's the way it will feel forever, honestly. Totally. So yes. I, I feel like that's one of the best things about working in a creative field is just that like continuous learning because the creative fields change all the time. I mean, I guess that's true of every industry, but I feel like especially with music, things change so quickly and you're, you just, you get to constantly evolve, constantly change and grow. And that's, it's like cool. Pretty yeah, cool. <laughs> it is. It's, it's a fun challenge. And I feel like you're right with that where there are many industries that move very slow and music feels more like tech to me than it does other sim uh, semi similar yes. industries because of how ridiculously fast it moves. It moves faster than like fashion. It moves faster than, than a lot of other creatives. It seems to really flow with tech. And, and now we're obviously at this time period, you know, after this conversation, I'm, I'm talking with someone about music and NFTs and just, you can see now the con combination of them it moves at the speed of tech and now we have yes. tech intertwining with music and it's just like now i need to know the tech too and it's just like dang every day you wake up if you're not reading something talking to someone or like getting a pulse on something you're already behind and it's fast it's Big time. wild and it's fun but it's wild oh man i'll have to listen to the next conversation because it's funny one of my artists is showcasing at south by southwest this year so i don't awesome. know if this will be out by then but if it is come see elisa amador she's like what's Lake the date? street dive meets sarah borellis but also sometimes in spanish she's cool amazing yeah awesome her showcase is the wednesday of south by so i think it's march 17th oh boy hold on march 16th this episode will be out right before there so people will be knowing that and i'll put links in the show notes too of the artists that you've mentioned so far too, Christina. Yeah. She, Elisa is showcasing at South by, and we have gotten so many emails from people encouraging her to make an NFT for the conference. 
Really? The, yeah, it's funny. I'm like, I don't know that her audience is the NFT buying audience, but I, I could be really wrong. Maybe I'm missing a huge opportunity. So now I'm well, going to have to stick around and listen. Next episode is with Tom Dupree, which is a YouTuber. And he's done all these experiments on pressing his music through NFTs. And he's very analytical through spreadsheets and things like that to understand like what has happened. And I've got recent news of things that have gone down where I want to talk about it. So next conversation will be a good one. Definitely to dive into that. It's, it's also, it's also something rapid that will be very different for us within a year or two of like what it even is utilized as, you know, but that's cool. That's cool that they're, I mean, that attention, I mean, I guess if they're, they're emailing like that and then there, there's definitely a market for it, I guess that's, that's intriguing. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. I'll have to, I'm going to hit you back up and ask about if you do that too, I'm going to have to definitely hit you up and ask you how it went down and what your take was on it too. Okay. And you have to ask this next person about the environmental impact, because I have to say I have some very environmentally conscious artists on my roster. And I feel like anytime I've brought up NFTs to them, they're like, no, they're bad for the environment. So yeah, I, I will on my behalf, ask him about that. (laughs) I will. That has already changed substantially and is already being changed right now from what that conversation was like maybe eight months ago. Okay. But yes, still a thing. It's still a thing, but it's also rapidly being fixed too for that reason. So, all right. So we have talked all on kind of who you are and what you're doing. And one thing just for people who are listening out there, I ended up connecting uh, to Christina through, it's awesome because obviously I'm sure everyone in this organization for WIM, Women in Music, are doing so many things that I could probably talk to every single member on the show, honestly, and bring out all of these things that are worth sharing. But the way that Christina and I connected was just, you know, I always talk about coming from the music industry like this and growing up it there there is such a great conversation that's happening right now culturally and i'm really excited for the future but in our industry specifically more than any other industry i've ever been a part of i've never seen more of a need to advance women and marginalized people in this field it's just it's alarming anyone who's out there when you're at school you're working in all of these different pieces of the industry that Christina and I have talked about. You're living the life. It's just women aren't there. And then it's like, <laughs> it's not, they are there. I know that they are there, but it's, it's not Serious great. Underrepresentation. Yeah. yeah. It's really bad. And then I think that I'm, you know, we'll get into this, I'm sure. But I'm, I, I would say that if I was a woman coming into the room and I just see a group of men and I'm not seeing someone that looks like me or vibes with me, I might feel less comfortable to enter it. So it would perpetuate that issue. That's just mm-hmm. me from the outside. I don't know if that's true or not, but it seems like more to say on. But that being said, I guess, can you just explain women in music? What does this organization do in terms of uh, what it's working on? What is What are you seeing in, from from your perspective inside it of the things that are working and are not working and kind of what should be on our radar of working towards this for the industry and for women and marginalized people. Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing this up. I'm like super excited to talk about women in music. It's 
So it's a nonprofit organization, as you mentioned, an international nonprofit that kind of functions through a chapter system. So the organization's mission is really to advance women and those with marginalized voices in the music industry in all roles. So artists and like on the artist side and the industry side, the business side. And we do that through a number of ways, but most mostly through kind of educational programming and networking programming. And then of course, there are also like, you know, online forums where members can connect with each other. There's a great email list where people can literally email out and be like, Hey, to the other members, like, for example, I'm going to South by Southwest for the next first time in a couple of weeks. Does anyone have recommendations or tips or do you want to meet up for a coffee? And people will really write back and, and help you make connections and build your network. So it's a very powerful community and very supportive community. And then we also run programming that is organization-wide. So things like panels on licensing and sync, panels on building your team, panels on music and mental health. And those are events that anyone in the membership can come to and and learn from. And that's all kind of like online nationwide programming. And then of course, there are chapters in cities all over the globe that when we aren't in the midst of pandemic, host in-person programming and networking events. So I run the Boston chapter at the moment. And it's really been a highlight of my year. We just relaunched the Boston chapter in October with an all new leadership committee of incredible artists and people. We've got like some great artists. We've got a music journalist. We have a professor in the music department at Northeastern. We have someone who works in music supervision and sync. We have like just this group of people who I learned so much from and I am so inspired by. And we are setting up a series of programming for the coming year for the Boston community and the New England community. So I would love to connect with anyone who who hears this and, and wants to, you know, learn more. But really, you know, we've got, you know, a showcase event that we're that's coming up. We've got kind of like an artist toolkit event coming up where you can learn how to plan an album rollout, how to approach press and journalists. Like I am a big believer and this is like from my management, my artist management. I really think like what is needed for more women. Well, one of the things that is needed for more women to succeed and thrive in the music industry is like just more access to mentorship, more access to, to practical skills building. Like that's what I want to offer people. I'm personally not speaking for the organization. I personally am passionate about helping people build the skills they need to succeed. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's a really, it's just a wonderful organization and we're, we're growing all the time. So it's a really fun time to be volunteering for them. Yeah, that's awesome. Definitely during a, a relaunch at a very important time in human history, honestly, this is just a very yeah. important time for a lot of things to be with momentum and doing things because such a, I, I feel like 10 years of change just spurred into a year to two years. So it's like right now is a boom of doing, of doing things despite what's still around, you know? So it's cool to see the relaunch and exciting to provide those spaces that you're talking about. Yeah. And I do think like my personal experience as a woman manager, like I have definitely encountered I've had some negative experiences for sure, but honestly, my predominant experience has been one of like excitement and support. And I think a lot of that 
some, like certainly a lot of that comes from women in music for people I've met through that organization who have acted as, as champions and mentors for me. But also just, I feel like when I meet other women who are artist managers, like there is a lot of support that you can feel from them. And, and, you know, often women who are 15, 10, 20 years ahead of me in this career have offered to, you know, get on the phone, have a cup of coffee, answer questions. And, you know, when I've had to shop an album for label support for the first time, or like, I don't know, negotiate a contract for the first time, like the people I've often turned to for help, a lot of them have been women. And I, I do feel like that kind of mentorship is really powerful, which isn't to say like, I haven't had great mentors who have, who have been men. Like, absolutely, I have. And I think the more everyone just learns to support people who are young and coming up in the business, the better. <laughs> but, in general, right? Yeah. Just in general. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the industry is, it's built on relationships and people like people who remind them of themselves. And I think that's kind of... Fair. I mean, that's like psychology and it's something that you have to be educated about. And it's something you need to check yourself on. Like I think about it all the time when I'm choosing people to work as contractors for my company or, or to like come on for internship programs, what have you, like, I'm always kind of checking myself. Like, why do I like this person? Mm. Is it just because like they're most similar to me and you have to like watch out for that. And I feel like that's part of why women perhaps have remained underrepresented in some of you know, in a lot of roles across the industry is like, if it's been, if it was an old boys club for a long time, like it takes a conscious effort when the whole industry is built on relationships mm-hmm. to make sure that you are building relationships with people who bring different perspectives, different lived experiences and can offer something fresh and something different from you. Like it, we right. all win when that happens, but it definitely, it like takes some conscious effort at times. Right. It is such a complicated issue, which is why I have so much respect for orgs like yours and many others, because that's such a, that's such a great point. Like if I think about it, the music industry is so about like who, you know, just in terms of that connection point, right? Like Mm -hmm. you just meet people. Like when you were working at that Passim, you just meet people. And then when you meet them and you're doing things that everyone, everyone's there because they like what's happening. And you just cultivate these relationships and they get stronger. You work with people you trust. That's the way that any business works. But the music industry is such a funky business in terms of the way that it day-to-day operates. It's not like a office area where it's like, this is the thing that happens in an organized way. It's a very messy industry just because there's so many different pieces to it that are not operating in this one way that it's like, that's, I feel why it's so relationship driven because you're not meeting people in this one area in this one way, it's all over the place. And you do business with people that you feel comfortable with. And if I just think about my own life, I have a ton of women who are friends, but by nature, I have more men that are friends. So therefore, if I'm networking harder in there, I may then work with more men (laughs) and it perpetuates something where you do have to check yourself in terms of like, why am I making this decision? And also making sure that, you know, having someone that has a different perspective in any way is such a benefit that it's like, yeah, that really is the only decision. It has nothing to do with any type of, of people. It's why am I making this decision self-awareness wise? And then what makes the most sense for what I'm trying to get done? And then just making sure that 
people do have access to the to getting up to bat into that decision making process anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So what are you seeing on your radar? I guess like you've just revamped this program. Kind of what what are your goals as an organization right now with this revamp? And you know, for anyone out there trying to get into the different pieces of the industries, what would be some advice that you have if they're hesitant or they're having a hard time making connections or getting education or finding mentors? What would kind of be your advice to some people that are getting in now from the the bottom portion are just starting out and what are some objectives, I guess, for this organization with this revamp? All right. I'm going to take the the revamp question first, which okay. is honestly, so personally as the chapter chair in Boston, like I am kind of on like a listening tour. I want to know, I want to talk to everyone in the Boston music community, women, men, like people who feel like their voices have been marginalized for any number of reasons and really learn what do you think you need to succeed at your music passion better? Like how can we help and how can we help people learn? So I'm kind of on this like listening tour, but we're also doing, like I said, kind of skills building programming right now. So we're very focused on, on that and just kind of expanding awareness, expanding our membership and helping people learn. And for advice, I would give people who are just starting out I am going to give my most, I'm like hesitating because honestly, the number one piece of advice I would give is made more challenging during a pandemic. But the number one piece of advice I have is show up. Like, yes, be around, be around, go to everything you can go to. And I understand that we are still living in a pandemic and it is hard to do that right now. But as things continue to open up, like, go to shows, introduce yourself to the person working the box office, like, introduce yourself. Just meet as many people as you can and take on, like, if you're interested in artist management, artists need help. Like, you don't have to know how to be a manager to help an artist. And you can, you can start in any way you want and just kind of build from there. Mentorship is, is around, like, you can find mentors and people who want to help you. I think a lot of people in the music industry want to help people join the music industry. Like what could be better than helping someone who's passionate about music find their way in, like you said, kind of a messy industry. It's a, it's one that I love, but it's just, (laughs) I, I'll be honest. I love the mess. I love it. Yeah. I just love it. It's awful. It's awesome. It's this, it's just a crazy thing. I mean, yeah. At the end, I love people at the end of the day. Like I love meeting people. I love talking to people. It's like my favorite thing to do, which I think helps a lot if you want to work in music because you are just going to have to meet so many people and like care about them and care about what they are interested in. Yeah. Um, that's, that's how it works and that's how you succeed and it's how other people succeed too. So it is like a rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. Um, 100%. But yeah, just show up. That's my advice. <laughs> I second that. I always say like, this comes from like, before I was trying to do things in business and music, I was just, I still am just a, an artist making my own music and playing shows. And back in the day, right. (laughs) It was like when a band walked out and smoked cigarettes during your set, or when, you know, the first five bands, if you were the last band all left and went home so that they could go hang out or go to bed and didn't watch that band. And it was a small club and you were there by yourself. 
you knew who wasn't getting invited to the show that you were putting on next month, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, be there for the places that you want to be. It's like really simple. If you want to support local artists, go watch local artists and buy local artists merch and do things that are present. First of all, I know like, just like you noted, it's hard now because there's less places to be at, but there are like, even, you know, even making content where you're connecting with people or engaging with content where you're supporting people, but it's like, you can't work for and with people that you aren't supporting or present with anyway. So the first step is just like, you know, whether you play music or not, there's a million ways to be in the industry in being present and doing things that support an artist. Like you were saying, you don't have to be a full-blown artist manager or even know what an artist manager is necessarily to start helping artists because they are trying to do so many things that anything that you can do is helpful for them. All of that is gaining experience and all of that is being present. So it's like, what can I do to, to help, help these people? What can I do to show them that I'm here and a part of this, regardless of whether they're working with me or not, I'm here, I'm around. And I always try to say like, be the person where like, it feels like that person is literally everywhere. We all know them. There's like clubs that I'll be in club after club after club, and I'll be in different States or different countries. And you run into that, that, that person. You're like, dude, how the hell are you here right now? And they're like, Oh, I'm just doing blah, blah, blah with so-and-so. And you're like, Oh my God. Like, yes. they're just like, you, you feel like you have to hire them or work with them because you're like, they're just like embedded into this industry. They're just here. There's not, I don't have an option not to work with them because they're everywhere. If you can be that person, it's like at some point you're getting hired for something because you're just there. You, you, you're just there. You know? Absolutely. Crazy. And you know, that actually, <laughs> I know we're like wrapping up, but I do have one other piece of advice that that just made me think of, which is Please. this one is like more geared toward women actually, which is like, do not sell yourself short. Like a beautiful thing about the music industry is that you do not, there is no prerequisite to getting a job in this industry or starting in this industry. And don't sell yourself short. If you are acting as a band's manager, Like I had a young woman ask me for advice recently who was managing a band, but because she had only been doing it for six months and because she was still a college student, she was like, well, what should I call myself? Like the band's assistant? And I said, no, call yourself the band's manager. That's what you're doing. That is the arrangement you have with the band. Like don't other people, some people are going to try and sell you short. Like the number of times, especially, you know, when you're, when I was like, you know, I'm, when I was in my young twenties, especially like the number of people, it's like, they look at you, but they just look over you because you are a young woman in that space. And they do not think you can offer them anything. And you are going to have to prove people like that wrong. And you are going to have to make yourself heard in situations like that. So do yourself a favor and like, be honest about the value of your work and make sure you speak up about it and you introduce yourself to people. And you know, you don't want to like, exaggerate or oversell, but you, you don't want to sell yourself short. Certainly like be proud of what you are doing and talk it up. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. Like, women are, we're really taught sometimes to listen or to make ourselves small and, you know, just try and be self-assured and confident and, and know that there are going to be people who are going to be so lucky to know you and lucky to meet you and are going to be grateful to know you and just go find those people, find your people. Your peers are your greatest asset. They're not your competition. They are 
the people who will come up with you in the industry and you will all be building your networks. You can all help each other. Yep. And yeah, just ask for help when you need it. Kick butt. That's a lot of, it's a lot of advice that I just put into this last minute. I like it. No, I like it. (laughs) It's a very important tip. (laughs) And I tell people it on like, because we have a lot of people that listen to the show where they have a day job and they're side hustling or they're building up to where they want to be at. And I've noticed so many times where they're having a conversation where someone asks them, what do you do? And there's a lot of people that default to saying the day job, even though they really don't care about the day job. They don't Mm -hmm. even want to talk about it. And then they say, and they, when you're talking about make yourself small, they're like, oh, and I also blah, 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 like this thing, even though that's their life and they do it every single night and every weekend and think about it throughout the day and text and email and do everything all day long. I always tell them, I'm like, listen, if you straight up don't care about the day job, then you are the blank. If yes. you're doing it, if you are doing the thing, you're the thing. You decide on what, the, you know, perception is reality. You are what you're saying you are. Obviously, you were saying earlier, don't oversell and under deliver. If you really don't do a thing, then don't say you do the thing. But if you really are doing a thing, you absolutely deserve to put that thing on as a badge and say, you're the thing because you're the thing because you're You're the thing, you know, totally. And it's hard to do. And I totally, I totally get it. And even after doing this for a long time, I still do that. Sometimes if I'm, if I'm with someone that like, I'm like, bow down. Like I love that person's work. I'm like, sometimes I'll still be like, I really don't do anything. I actually don't exist. I'm not even a person, <laughs> you know? <clears throat> so I get it, but yeah, I mean, we all great, do great it advice. sometimes, but great we've advice. Gotta, yeah. You're the thing. Go You're do the, the thing. thing. <laughs> cool. Well, I have six questions that I end each episode with Christina. If you're still down, I don't know. Yes, definitely. I'm, I'm down. Cool. I'm a so little nervous because one... I didn't know about this, but Oh, that's my favorite. That's my favorite is when people don't get to prep for them, but they're not, they're not too hard. They're not too bad. But so the first question is always something that I feel that I kind of gather throughout the episode, but I like asking it so pointed at the very end, which is just broadly, like, why do you wake up and do what you do every day versus any other thing that you could do in the world? Because I love my artist's music. I think it's great. And I think more people should hear it and should go see them live. You're, you're like still the fan, you know what I mean? And that's yeah. what makes you so good at your role is you never stopped being a fan. And I, and, and you said earlier in the very beginning of the thing about how that's frowned upon, I would say anyone who's not a fan of music, who's in the music industry probably shouldn't be here. I, I'm just going to say that straight. Agreed. You have to love it. Why else are you here? You know, yeah. you have to love what they do, what we do. Cool. So along the way, say uh, a lot of people wouldn't say that it's a mistake because they learned something so exponential from it. But say you could tell five years ago, you 10 years ago, you you're like, hey, don't do this thing. Like I learned this from it. It was really good learning experience for me. But if you could somehow get from my pain or experience that knowledge, which is hard to do without living it. I know. But what's like a thing along the way you would tell five years ago, 10 years ago, you like, Hey, don't do this thing. Oh man. Um, (laughs) I would, well, one of them, I would say like, don't be too scared to share your opinions. Like kind of a general thing I did. I'm like really hesitant about whether I even want to say this, but I'm just going to go for it. Um, I put on a festival one year and like 
lost a ton of money on it. And, and that really sucked. So okay. I would tell my younger self just to invest more in publicity when you need to. <laughs> Fair. Man, but it that's was good. I mean, all the too. artists got paid. So that, that was good. But yeah, you know, events, they're hard sometimes. It sounds extremely challenging. Flip side to it, what's the best thing that you've done along the way? You're like, this is, I'm so happy that I did this. This is awesome. Man, okay, there are so many, there are truly so many moments like that. But the one that really stands out is the song I mentioned earlier with Barcarelli called By Degrees. It was nominated for Song of the Year at the Americana Honors and Awards in 2019. And we went down to Nashville for the award ceremony at the Ryman. Got to meet a bunch of my musical heroes. Got to see Mark play the song live on stage with a bunch of artists that I hugely admire. Embarrassed myself in front of Brandi Carlisle. It was a fantastic day. Really, really great day. So, and it's all about a song that did a lot of good and like directed a lot of money to people who are trying to make our country safer. So it was just a huge win all around and felt like a big victory. Hell yeah. That's awesome. And I'll, for people who, because we've noted this a couple of times for people who want to see that music or music video, whatever that is, I'll make sure that that's in the show notes as well. What would be for people that know you, Christina, what would be something that they would say is your superpower as Christina Hmm. Latino? I think that I have a, a special combination of persistence and optimism that has helped me persevere and find victories for my artists. And I think that that combination of kind of uh, optimism and, and perseverance is something that people would point out about me. What a great combo to have. <laughs> Thank you. Seriously. Those are so important separate, but together you have something that's like the exact opposite of toxic. You know what I mean? You have something that's growing and it's bringing life to, to areas that it's pushing into, you know, cause you can have so. perseverance that's happening but you can have perseverance that's pushing in bad mojo into areas. Like it's going there, you know, it broke through the wall. It came into the room. It's there, but you're like, the room's not happy that it's happening. Optimistic perseverance is like, I'm here. It happened, but it's like, I'm also going to make everything around here. Awesome. And I believe in this room and we're cool. And then, so it's, I think that's a great combo to have. Thanks. I, I mean, I hope so. I think so. It's, it's just in this business, like, things take a long time to come to fruition as we've talked about tonight. And also like you do hear no a fair amount and it can be really deflating when you get those no's. So it's like, you have to, if you believe in the music and if you have a good strategy, you have to be able to like keep being persistent and like pivoting a little bit all the time. You know, like if you're getting feedback that something's not working, then all right, great. Like try something else. I think it's a really, it's an important combination to try and live in. (laughs) in this work. Yeah. What would be a resource that you'd recommend to the audience? It could be a book, a podcast, a video, a movie could be, obviously I'll include the websites of everything that you've worked on in those four major areas that we talked about. But is there any resource that you'd recommend could be specific to your industry or it could be broader, not a, not a problem. Yeah. I mean, obviously the one that really comes to mind is women in music. The organization is an amazing resource really would recommend it heartily to anyone listening. And this is a question we get a lot. You do not have to identify as a woman to become a member. You can be a member. Anyone can be a member and and learn from those 
events and those resources. Cool. So that's, yeah, I would recommend that. Love it. Last one is just the easiest. So no more curveballs. You're free now. You you can <laughs> you can debrief. You know, it's just where do people keep up with you? You know, obviously in the show notes down below for anyone that's listening or watching live, in the show notes will be all the links on it. But I like just people to say kind of where people can keep up with them. Where can they keep up with you? Where can they keep up with Corner Scape, Whim, all that jazz? Where should they be looking at to keep up? Yeah, absolutely. Well. Both Cornerscape and WIM have websites. So if you want to learn more about us, you can check that out. But really, I would I love to connect with people. I love to interact with people. So I would say, like, please find me on Instagram. You, cool. I've got my own personal account, Christina with a K. So K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, Latino, L-A-T-I-N-O. And post there about, you know, my music stuff, but also about my softball and my hiking and my partner and life. So, you know, we can connect there, but the Cornerscape account is just at Cornerscape underscore. And that's where you can kind of learn. I post updates about my artists, where they're touring, but also things about artist management, tips and tricks and suggestions and with and playlists of new releases, not just from my artists, but also from other developing acts that I think are doing really cool things. So would love to stay in touch on Instagram. Sweet. There you go. Christina, thank you so much for being on the Waking Up From Work podcast and sharing just another, yet another awesome perspective to kind of bring into this 150 episodes so far type of thing. So thank you for being on the show and taking your time. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a a fun time getting to talk to you and yeah, looking forward to kind of listening to the next episode and learning about NFTs too. So thank you again for having me and looking forward to staying connected. Heck yeah. Cool. Cool. 